we're continuing our summer series uh, on 1 John, which, of course, is a very transparent attempt to get you to purchase my commentary on 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. <laughs> Came out on April 15th, so just go ahead and Google 1 to 3 John Bennett, and uh, go ahead, you know, get two, three copies for all your friends. Uh, make sure that no one goes without. Uh, last week, we saw John uh, talking about the usual suspects. That's um, the, the people who are part of, uh, they can be part of our communities, um, they can be part of the church, but they're, they're deeply, they're dangerous. They're, um, because of the way that they're, they live, they, and what they, they think and believe, they're, they're dangerous to the, the, the community of faith. Well, today, John's going to get us to meet the family, and that is, he's going to give us three types of people that, that make up uh, a healthy, uh, vibrant Christian community. And he's in, it's going to kind of put, put us on the spot where we're going to have to try and figure out who, who am I and who should I be. So let's, uh, let's jump into the text, and uh, I'll make some notes on it uh, as we go through. But I write to you, says John, little ones, because your sins are forgiven through Jesus' name. Oh, by the way, if you do open your, uh, the, the, the Bibles in the, in the pews or you get, um, if you're following along with your own uh, Bible app, you'll notice some changes, but I'll, I'll address most of them um, and so you can stay with us. I write to you, parents, uh, because you've come to know the one who existed from the beginning. I write to you, young adults, because you have defeated the evil one. Let me say it again. I write to you, children, because you have come to know the Father. I write to you, parents, because you have come to know the one who has existed from the beginning. And I write to you, young adults, because you're powerful, and the word of God remains in you, and you have defeated the evil one. Uh, just a couple of housekeeping issues. Um, if you're following most modern translations, it'll say uh, little children instead of little ones. It'll say, um, it'll say fathers instead of parents, and it'll say young men uh, instead of young adults. That, that's just because in, in, in Greek, in Koine Greek, uh, the convention was when you were talking about like um, a whole bunch of parents, the convention was to use the plural for father. So they weren't just talking about dads. Um, they were talking about, you know, everybody. But, it, but when we hear dads or fathers, we tend to think only of dads and fathers. It's just a convention that we have in English that they don't share. So my translation here is meant to reflect that. So um, it's, it's to say, John's not just talking to dads. He's talking to all parents. Um, and he's not just talking to young men, young, strong, virile men like Luke. Look at you, man. You, got, you may not remember this, but gosh, it was like probably two years ago, something like that. I had something where, like, I had like some, I don't know, example where I had a bag that was so heavy that no kid could carry it. And Luke, I think he was still in junior high at the time, maybe, um, he just came up and he just like, and he carried it. He's like, that's because I'm in ninjutsu or whatever it is that he did. I was like, all right, good for you, man. I don't want to fight you. But we're not just talking about the Lukes of the world. We're talking about all young adults. And moreover, um, these are not uh, literal categories, okay? These are not, we're not literally talking about the children, the little ones running around in the church. We're not literally talking about the parents of the church. We're not literally talking about the young adults of the church. The, uh, John's coming up with spiritual categories, so no matter how old you are, you could be a little one. No matter how, how young you are, you might be a parent. Um, it, the, these, the, and you can see this because of what he's saying. He's like, your sins are forgiven through Jesus' name. Well, I mean, does a little baby, I mean, that's the word there, does a baby know that their sins are forgiven? No. 
as a baby, no, or, um, or young adults. Um, you know, you're powerful, the word of God, you've defeated the evil one. I mean, how many young adults here, would, yep, I, I beat them. Satan down, took care of it, 16. Uh, so there's spiritual categories. The second thing is um, John's using a, uh, a, a very, it's, 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 it's a type of rhetorical move here. Okay, because not everybody who's listening really is a, a little one. Not everyone who's listening really is a young adult. Not everyone who's listening is a parent. We're in, in spiritual categories. And it works like this. I love listening to political speeches. Nothing revs my engine like the State of the Union address. Doesn't matter who's giving it. It just pumps me up. Got a picture here of the State of the Union, I think. There it is. And why do I like political speeches? Because I am a big fan of being flattered. I like people to tell me how great I am. And if you've noticed, if you are listening to a political speech, it's always going to have something along these lines. Like, as Americans, we were the ones who liberated Europe from not the Nazi threat. We were the ones who brought cars and airplanes to the world. We Americans put a human being or two on the moon. We work the hardest. We're the most creative. We are truly a special nation. I listen to that and I'm like, yeah. Because it was tough when I had to storm the beaches of Normandy. And I did have a very difficult time coming up with figuring out how to make an airplane. But I did it. Right? No. I haven't done any of those things. In fact, if anything, I'm probably just, just another person. I'm like kind of kind of lazy. Um, not that, you know, not very attractive. Uh, just, I'm, I'm just a schmo. And yet, when President Biden or President Trump or whoever, Obama, when, when they're saying these things, I begin to believe I'm an American. I'm a part of this community. I, I have a special role to play. Even if I wasn't the one who did the math to figure out how to get uh, people on the moon, well, I, you know, I, I saw the video of it, and that makes me a part of it. I'm an American. John does exactly the same thing when he says, I write to you, little ones, because... I write to you, young adults, because I write to you, parents, because he's, he's, he's getting us, he's forcing us to figure out, is he talking to me? Am I a part of this community? If I am a part, what's my role? Where, where do I belong? This is the first thing you know, sheets. John's language forces us to ask, am I a part of this family? And notice it's family. That's the, the metaphor he's using for the church, uh, family of God. In fact, all the way through 1 John, and really the Johannian literature in general, he's constantly talking about brothers and sisters um, and children and parents. The, 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 the primary way John thinks about the church is as a family. And if you're a part of this family, so first you've got to figure out, am I one of these little ones? Uh, am I a part of it? If I am, then what's my role? Am I one of the young adults? Am I a, am I a parent? Am I a little one? Well, let's find out. Right, so you little ones. Uh, the reason John he he's kind of and one of the big uh, features of Hebrew poetry is it, it, make a statement and then repeat the statement, sometimes changing it a little bit. 
um, to, to, to amplify it. And that's what he's doing here. So he says, first, little ones, your sins are forgiven through Jesus' name. Second, children, little ones, he's using uh, just a different word for, uh, for infants or children there. Um, it's technia and paideia, if you care. Uh, because you've come to know the Father. Now, these are two f- sides of, of, of the same uh, coin. John, John's saying, I, I, I'm writing you, little ones. I'm encouraging you because I'm so proud of you. You have had your sins forgiven in Jesus' name. You've come to know the Father. In John's mind, in every church, there's people who they just, they just trust Jesus. There's just not a lot. It's, it's simple, it's straightforward, but, but they, they recognize that I, I'm a sinner and I need to be forgiven and Jesus is the one who can do that. And by, and by getting to know Jesus and by, by living through him, I get to know uh, the Father. The reason John is, is using children as the image here is because children are um, they're so naive. I have a picture here, uh, two pictures. Um, this was one of, this was, this was maybe Aaron and I, our finest hour. On the one hand, you're there, you have Disneyland. On the other side, you have the dentist. And everyone looks like that at the dentist. Like, yeah! I just had my mouth open for two hours and I was bleeding everywhere. I feel great! So, <laughs> a couple years ago, Aaron and I had, had planned a surprise trip to Disneyland for our kids. And they had no idea. And then my dad, for some reason, he came in and he was like, Hey, Alice, heard you're going to Disneyland. I was like, No! You ruined it! And Alice is like, Dad, is that true? I'm like, no, absolutely not. And then she's like, well, then how did Pappy come to think that we were going to Disneyland? And so on the spot, Aaron and I are saying, I'm like, well, we're not going to Disneyland. We're going to the Disney dentist. He just misunderstood. And Aaron super got into this. So, so now we're in the car, right? And Olivia's like, I hate the dentist. I don't, we're like, no, 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 no. This is the Disney dentist. What you can do with the Disney dentist is you can, have, you can have them put little Disney characters on your teeth. So when you smile, and Olivia's like, well, does it hurt? And I'm like, well, okay, it's, it's, look, it's, not, it's not comfortable, but it, it's, I wouldn't say it hurts. Um, and then Alice is like, well, that sounds good. I'll, I'll try that. that that's a, like, okay, all right. So we stop talking. So we drive all the way to Disneyland. They're like, we're at Disneyland. <laughs> And I'm like, no, 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 the Disney dentist is next to Disneyland. They didn't get it until we were literally walking through the gate. They're like, we're going to Disneyland! I'm like, yeah, yeah, because there's no such thing as a Disney dentist. And if you were, you know, older than five, you'd probably know that. But man, it was great. It was so much fun because kids are so trusting. They'll believe anything. And, that's a, and the, in some ways, that's a good thing, right? As long, as, long as you don't abuse it, right? Uh, but it, it, it's because for, for, for a child, you know, Alice and Olivia at the time, they, they'd been growing up with Aaron. And by the way, props to Aaron for running with it. There was a point there in the car where she looked at me and she's like, should we quit? And I was like, no. Let's roll. And she stuck with it all the way. It was awesome. Good job, honey. Um, <laughs> Uh, because they know that, um, you know, Aaron and, 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 and I, are, we, we, we're not out to hurt them, right? They, they know that. 
They know that when we say that there's a surprise for them, that they can trust that, that that's a good thing. And so naturally, because they've experienced our love and they've experienced our care, they'll believe almost anything we say. And there's something similar, John thinks, with, with certain Christians. There are certain people who, uh, they, they're, they're going through life, right? And they, for whatever reason, they have, have come to this place where they just recognize that Jesus is their Savior. He shows them the Father. That because of Jesus, God isn't just like some God out there, but now God's dad. And we can trust him even when things don't look like they're good, that we can say that they actually are good, that there's something going on behind the scenes, behind the veil that's, that's, that, that's, that we can't access, but we, we just know that if Daddy is taking us to the Disney dentist, it's going to be good. And if there's anybody here who, who, who hasn't ever believed that, that Jesus forgives your sins, He makes God your dad just by believing. I encourage you to believe today. Become one of these little children. Be a little person here who's just content to know God's good. I'm following Jesus. That's the uh, next thing here. No cheats. Children have simple faith in God through Christ. Remember, and this doesn't mean we're not talking about literally children. We're talking about spiritual children or children in the community of faith. And this is a good thing. John's like, I'm so glad I'm writing to you because, little kids, you have this simple faith. And it's a simple faith that carries you. Uh, people come at you from all over the world and they say, oh, there is no God. It's just chaos. There's nothing that has any meaning. But you stay fast. You say, you know what? I just trust Daddy. John goes on. Now he's going to talk about their parents. It says, I write to you, parents, because you've come to the know, know the one who has existed from the beginning. He repeats it without changing it, um, because in John's mind, uh, this is such a profound truth that it really needs no expansion. And, and the reason is because you've come to know the one who has existed from the beginning is a reference to Jesus, and it's also a reference to the fact that Jesus is the eternal co-equal member of the Trinity, the Son of the Father, that, that, that there is no beginning to the Son, uh, that the, the son was there before, that, that the son was from the beginning and yet has come now and, and, and taken on flesh and become a human being. This is a very profound, wild, strange thing to believe. Um, if you've been in the church for a while, you may have heard Trinitarian language, Father, Son, and Spirit, one God, and you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. But if you start to think about it, it's a bit weird. And it would be especially weird if you were living, you know, you'd known Jesus. And we think John was probably like a teenager and followed Jesus. And then later in his life wrote these things. You're following this human being. And you do see amazing things. But you come to the conclusion that not only was this not just a human being. And not only just not the, the son of God. But literally a, a co-equal eternal member of the Godhead from the beginning of all things. That, that's, a, that's a pretty big leap. How, how could you have come to that reckoning? Like, like how, how does that happen? We got here a couple of examples of parenting. I like the one on the right. A guy that made a shirt that says, Dad against daughters dating. And he's holding a shotgun. Alice isn't allowed to date until what, she's 18? 
30. I like it. I don't own a gun yet, but uh, she, she's been FaceTiming a boy from her class, so I'm going to have to get one. <laughs> His name is Noah, and he, he has red hair. I'm like, this kid's bad news. <laughs> I like that little punk. Oh, he seems nice for a third grader. Uh, on the left there, so before you have kids, right, um, you, when you go to a restaurant and there's children that are there and they're misbehaving, before you have children, you're like, get, get, a, get a handle on your kids, loser. You're ruining my experience. Look, if I ever have kids, and I'm not saying I will, but if I do, I can guarantee you, if they go to the restaurant, they're going to behave. And then you have children. And then when you're at a restaurant and there's a kid screaming, you're like, oh, thank God it's not mine. Oh, it's awesome. This is great. And actually, it's kind of soothing in a way. You're like, oh, someone else has to deal with that. My kids are dutifully looking at their screens and remaining quiet. And the, the point is that there's a change that we experience. Uh, parenting changes us. It changes our perspective about things, Right? Uh, so we, once, you, once you go through the process of having children and beginning to raise them, uh, you, it humbles you, it changes you, um, and, and the experience and the knowledge that you have, it's, it's earned. It's something that has come through the difficulties of being a, a, a mom or a dad. And similarly, I think John, John thinks that there's people in the church, there's parents. These are people who, um, they, they've gone through the experience of, of growing up and, have, have see, and trying to seize on the deep, difficult truths about who God is and what God is like. And, and, and that process of, of, of living out faith through the, all the ups and downs of life and, and, and the process of, of comparing the God we see in Scripture um, to the God... Uh, we, we know in our personal experiences of worship and prayer. And, and for that matter, coming to recognize that the God of the Old Testament um, is, is absolutely in keeping with the nature and character of Jesus Christ, um, that, that they're one and the same, and that the same God who commands you know, the slaughter of the Canaanites or whatever is, is also the same God who John tells us is love, is committed, faithful, gracious, unending love, never quitting love. And to, to, to square those circles and to come to those conclusions, that's a difficult process. It's the process of growing up. It's the process of taking responsibility, ownership of faith. And then once parents have that, parents also recognize that their job is to guard the kids, to protect them from the Noahs in their lives. And so I think what John is getting at, he's like, there's a, there's a class of people, there's a, there's a group of people in the family, and we think of them as parents, because they've, they've, they've seized their faith, they've owned their faith, and now they know the truth about who God is and what God is like, and they're, and they're protecting everybody else from any lies that might uh, enter into the community. And so if there are little children of faith who are simple, well, we, we, we protect them. We don't overprotect them. We, we do want them to grow up. But we also make sure that they're not swayed by, by lies and falsehoods. That's the next thing here. No sheets. Parents have learned the deep truths about the nature of God and guard, uh, the nature of God and guard the church from lies. Now my, 
my favorite, the young adults, the teenagers. In our culture, young adult lasts till about 30, but in John's, you stop being a young adult like when you're 16. But the principle was more or less the same. These are people who, uh, they're hot-headed, they're young. Look at, look at what, what John says. <clears throat> You've defeated the evil one. You're powerful. The word of God remains in you, and you've defeated the evil one. You're powerful. You're strong. Uh, This language, I mean, it starts to sound a little bit almost like military, right? Like there's combat going on. Um, Older translations will say you've overcome uh, the evil one. I think John's really leaning into, like, battle language. And the reason I think that is because um, elsewhere in in John's literature, he does... um, use some of this language in a very military fashion. I want, to, I want you to see that. See, see how he, he talks about the word of God. It refers to Jesus, by the way. But, but check this out from uh, Revelation 19. Listen to uh, this echo here. Then I saw heaven opened. There was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. This is Jesus. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name inscribed that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. His name is called the word of God. And the armies of heaven, wearing fine linen, white, and pure, were following him on white horses. This comes from John's vision of the future when um, the Lord finally defeats all evil. When he finally puts uh, Satan and Satan's minions uh, down for good. It's the moment of the true and lasting and sustained and forever defeat, overcoming of the evil one. And so when John, uh, in our text, says you remain, you're, you're in, you're within, you abide in the word of God, I think he's drawing on this martial imagery to say that, that there's a group of people in the church whose job, who like what they're about is, is appropriating the power of Christ to defeat and overcome spiritual schemes from the enemy. That their power is not their own, it's the power of Christ, right? Because they're remaining in the word of God, the one who he himself in the future will, will put all enemies, subject them all under his feet. Uh, for now, we, we, we haven't seen that yet, but there's still uh, a preview of that in, in the lives of our people here uh, who go out and fight the fight. <clears throat> the Wolverines. Next slide, please. Nineteen eighty four, Red Dawn. Not only does this movie feature Jennifer Grey, she's the one on the right who her finest role is when she plays Ferris Bueller's older sister in the Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's got Leah Thompson from Back to the Future, Charlie Sheen, and Patrick Swayze. Nobody cares about C. Thomas Howell. He's a hack. It's interesting, uh, it's, it's fun to watch this movie. I, I watched this movie after the Cold War was over, so I it was I, I was like, what? But in the movie, if, you, if you've seen it, if you haven't seen it, I mean, wow, do yourself a favor. It really gets you into the mind of, of America in the 1980s. Um, but in this movie, the Soviet Union attacks, invades America. Um, and apparently we find out later that they, they nuke a bunch of uh, cities and then they land in the middle of the country. And one of the places they land is this village or this town uh, that the members of the, of the Red Dawn, uh, they're, they're kids, they're teenagers, 
and uh, their whole town gets taken over. And um, these two brothers, they, they say, man, we're not going to take this. We're not going to take it from the commies. It's not going to happen. So they raid a sporting uh, goods store, and they begin a revolution. They, they begin uh, organizing raids on the commies. Um, and, 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 and they call themselves, after their high school mascot, the Wolverines! It's interesting uh, in the movie because they, they start out and like, they're like, yeah, we get to shoot guns and kill people. It's awesome. They deserve it. By the end of the movie, all of the Wolverines are dead or dying. Because they're just kids. In the long term, when you send kids up against full power of the Soviet Union, they lose. And so while the movie gets kind of panned as like this, uh, this jingoistic, patriotic, whatever, um, you know, fear porn for the Cold War, what the movie is actually trying to do is it's trying to sensitize us to something about young people. And that is young people don't have the same sense of fear, rational fear, that adults do. Young people are full of fire. They think they're going to live forever. They don't realize how fragile life actually is. And so when the fight comes, those are the kinds of people who are ready to jump in. The difference, of course, um, for us is that we actually have a guarantee that the Wolverines never had. And that is that that if you're in the power of Christ, you will win. The Wolverines thought that as long as they were passionate and loved America, that they could defeat the commies. They were wrong. But as Christians, we believe that Jesus has already overcome the evil one once and will finally on the last day. And in the interim, as we're waiting, when we appropriate his power, when we, conf- we can confront, we can see the schemes of the enemy, and by appropriating Jesus' power, we will win. We will stop the enemy. The enemy isn't going to defeat us. This is why John uses the, the past tense. You've defeated the evil one doesn't mean that the evil one's gone, done forever. It just means that, it, that you've already, you, you've, you've done this, young adults. You've, you've stood up against this scheme or that scheme, and you fought back, and, and, and you had the victory. And it's going to happen again and again. Church, who are your wolverines? One thing to note about... Um, the church is that we don't fight in the same way, obviously, that, that um, the Wolverines fought. We, it's not AK-47s and hunting rifles. The enemy doesn't get stressed out about AK-47s and hunting rifles. The enemy does get freaked out by unity, by prayer, and by faithful conscience. I don't know. Um, I don't know why my dad died or why Kevin died this week, um, but I do know that um, 
that these heavy things that occur in our lives, I, th- I know that there's a spiritual dimension to them. And I know that um, the enemy is super happy to use them to hamstring us and, and, and stop us. To interrupt our faith, um, to increase doubt, to set us on the sidelines. When those things are happening, the church needs wolverines to take the fight. I don't, it's hard for me to pray right now. But it's not hard for you. And a lot of you have been holding our family up. And we need more. People who are spitting fire and the reign and rule in this people who recognize that the power of Christ guarantees us victory even if it's not the kind of victory we always expect abide in Christ's power and defeat the enemy by spiritual means And all of this begs a question. So John said, I'm writing to you, little ones. I'm writing to you, parents. I'm writing to you, young adults. The question is, who am I? Who am I in this place? What role do I fill? Am I a little one? A parent? A wolverine? And I don't think that John imagines that, you know, little ones should just be little ones and they shouldn't, they shouldn't do anything else. And I don't think he thinks that the parents should just be parents and just focus on knowing the truth or whatever. And he, don't, he doesn't think that the young adults are just supposed to be spitting fire and fighting all the time. In fact, I think what John's kind of getting at is he's like, he's like, to some extent, you should be every single one of these. And probably you have some affinity for this or that, if I'm being brutally honest. I'm more in the parent zone. Parents are the ones who like to find out the truth and dig into the deep things. My favorite part of the job. I would sit there and and I would write sermons all day, every day. It's it's fun. I love it. I love scripture. I love trying to figure out how God can be God and yet there's, you know, pain and suffering in the world. All those things. I like that. I enjoy that. That, that, That's in my wheelhouse. That's that's easy for me. But, But trusting Jesus like a kid? Not so much, especially right now. Going to war? Intentional prayer? Forming unity in the community? To stop the wiles and the schemes of the devil? That kind of scares me. I think I would rather just let other people be the wolverines. Other people can be the children. I'll just stay in my zone, my wheelhouse. Even if I'm mostly a parent, I still need to be, to have that naivete that a a child has and just be able to just say, Jesus, I trust you. No, none of this makes sense right now. I, I hate this. But... I know you're not going to leave me at the Disneyland dentist. 
I know you're going to get me to the park. I just don't know how. And I need to be the one who's leading the way and, and, and putting my faith in action. Organizing and praying and, and, and seeking to see where the enemy is, is trying to claw in and to be on the front lines saying, no, not here, not us. And maybe some of you are, you know, you're Wolverines at heart. You like to just claw it out. You want to fight. You want to see change, change the world. You want to see it all. Well, you also need to study a little bit. And sometimes you need to step back and be a kid again. And if you're a little child, every little child has to grow up. And you do too. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, give us the grace to be the members of the family that that you would have us be. Give us that simple faith knowing that if we just trust you, Jesus, our sins are forgiven. And when we trust you, Jesus, the Father becomes our Father. And puts us on the right path. God, give us the grace um, to, to love and to seek your truth. To earn it. To earn an understanding of who you are and what your life, what you're like through experience and study, through challenge. And give us the power and the insight to know how to protect the truth here in this place, to protect the little ones from lies and deceit. And God, give us the hearts of wolverines to be incensed by, appalled by the works of the enemy and confident that in the power of Christ and actualized by the Spirit, we will win. We will overcome. The enemy does not have power here. The enemy will be defeated. And may we walk the line, stand firm. God, in all of these things, give us the grace to know that we're works in progress that you have a good eternal future for us when all will be made right. Encourage us now as children, as parents, as young adults in your family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.